morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome to uh, the two-hour show of Garden Talk. Welcome to you to join us at one 332 8255 And you can do that by either calling or giving us a text on the same number, one 332 8255 Well, Jill, what do you think of this weather they're having this fall? My goodness, this is amazing. Um, like 28 degrees today in Saskatoon, it's going to get up to, and our nighttime temperature is staying consistently around that 7 to 10 degrees, so we're not even having trouble with frost in our on our planters and in our gardens or anything like that. We will see a slight dip on Thursday to 5 degrees, so it, I don't know. I, don't, I think we're going to get a couple more weeks of this nice weather. The biggest thing I hear people saying is that, what do I do with all my tomatoes? I got so many so tomatoes. Many tomatoes. <laughs> so I know. A neighbor I drove by to, when I drive in today, a neighbor had a box out in, in the street and saying, free, <laughs> take them, please. Well, even my yard, I have, I only planted maybe four tomato plants in my little raised beds this year, and I have buckets and buckets and buckets. So yeah. um, there's a few things that you can do with them. Make spaghetti sauce. You can um, can them. You can even just put them in the oven and slice them up and roast them and then stick them in the freezer too. That works. Um, but yeah. we have we have a tomato so and cheese sandwiches tomatoes. just about every day. Every day, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great getting all this stuff harvested from the garden, yeah. and uh, like a lot of the ground crops, like your um, your beets and your onions and your carrots and your potatoes, you can leave those ones in a little bit longer, but. Um, yeah, some of those other ones you want to start picking them now because if they get too ripe on the vine, they're gonna they're not gonna store as long either. Well, we're going to go to the calls. We've got a couple of calls right away. We've got here uh, Al from Regina. We're going to take Al right away. Good morning, Al. How are you today? Very good, Rick. Uh, how are you? Uh, good. Anyway, listen, I've got a neighbor uh, who's got a real big uh, pine tree. He's probably 40 years old, yep. but it's very impressive through the big trunk. Uh, last year, he was taking uh, bone meal, believe it or not, he was putting right beside the trunk, and he put probably 10 pounds of bone meal around the trunk. Well, guess what happened? Nothing happened much, eh? But all this, all this summer, from spring to now, the, uh, the uh, pines have been falling off, and the needles have been falling off, and the tree is getting in in pretty bad distress. So I told him, I said, "Listen, you need to water that tree. You need to fertilize that tree." He's finally got himself a drip line now, and I heard you regarding watering that tree for it late, like in in October. Dumb question. What type of fertilizer? Okay, when do we start fertilizer? I know probably for, for next spring would be the fertilization date. That's correct. Uh, what type of fertilizer would be best for that tree? I think I'm glad I'm convinced what to do now. Uh, and uh, what do we do to get the tree to get it back healthy? Yeah, so right now, yeah, you can give it a, if it's really dry, you can probe the soil right now. If it's really dry, you can give it some water right now. Yeah, and okay. then And then give it a good, then don't water it after that, and then give it a good watering about the middle of October or so. Okay, okay. so do it right now in yeah. the middle of October. Well, especially, okay. if, it's, especially if it's dry. What type of fertilizer would be best other than, other than the alfalfa pellets? Yeah, just 30-10-10. 30-10-10 would be a good one, and then mix with water. Pour, okay. pour around 10 gallons of water around the drip line of the tree, so the best you can, because it's a big tree, right? Yeah, oh, it's huge, but it's really nice looking. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what, it got those small cones, but all the needles, uh, half of them fell into my yard. Yeah. So him and his wife, uh, a few, four days ago. Yeah. But now you, you, now you mentioned uh, that he poured... up all those leaves, well, they yeah. got... A uh, big, big, uh, big uh, plastic container. Well, they filled it about three, four times with the needles and with the cones alone. I said, there is the problem. You're killing the tree. Yeah. Not enough water, even though we've had some timely rains. 
Yep. But you got to give it water, and you got to fertilize that tree. Yep. If and, you want. And, and I know it, it can be a nice tree. And make sure they're fertilizing, like you, you mentioned that they put it at the trunk of the tree. Make sure you're fertilizing. Oh, yeah, right by the drip line. At the drip line. That's most important. That's where uh, the water he, needs to go to. Was, he got the drip line hose. He said, "That's forty dollars." I said, "Well, yeah. you got to make the circle around at the drip line." I, yeah. I showed him where, because yeah. even when it was getting dry, uh, uh, Rick, you know what happened? You could see where his grass started, where my grass started and, and continued. You could see the dry patch, which was just kind of a round circle. Yeah. I said, "Take a look." Yeah. Very important. There's a dry patch. You got from that side of that circle to here. It's close to 25 to 26 feet. You got water on the drip line, so he cleaned himself in. Now he believes me. Okay. Well, thank you for your call, Al. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Yeah, I think that that's a very common thing that people are calling in and asking about, even at the store, is yep. when should I water my trees? When should I start slowing down on watering on my trees, too? So, um, yeah, just remember, like, I've been you wanna, it's 29 degrees still, like 28 I've been, degrees, I've been watering still my grass. Water. I've been watering my grass pretty pretty good. I've been putting, yeah. I've been drilling holes and putting, getting ready to put a deer fence up, so putting some sleeves in the mm-hmm. ground so I can put a temporary fence up. And I'm struggling with my auger. Because it's, it's so dry. It's just so dry. It's wet at the surface, but not down deeper. Mm-hmm. So uh, make sure those plants, especially during this heat right now, they got some water. Just probe the soil. Uh, don't just water because there are spots in my yard where it was wet and other parts was dry. So just probe the soil and then water right now if they need water. But if it's wet, don't water them right now. Because remember, there's a lot of backyards. If you have mulch and everything else and you've got irrigation that's coming on timers, yeah. it might be okay so but probe the soil and find out let's go to here to um to gene in in regina as well good morning how are you hi good morning very well enjoy your program as always thank you quick question for you is a friend in saskatoon called me yesterday and said that uh, she had problems with her lilies and i suggested red lily beetle yep and she phones her last night and says yes that's what she found but just curious like apparently they've they've eaten the stock like the stock is black now partly because of maturity partly because of the critters i guess yep but um just wondering if there's something she should be doing this fall other than just cleaning up the mulch and everything around it and then what should she what what should she look for in the spring yeah just just watch for the right away in this in the spring when the lily starts appearing the beetles will come out of the ground again okay? okay and so like i said cleaning up the mulch around them because what happens if they if they're hibernating in that mulch if you re- clean up that mulch and put new mulch down you might get rid of some of them that way uh-huh. And um, and then also um, making sure next year you watch for those little, watch for the beetles because they'll be on the underside of leaves, but watch for those little rows of orange eggs, okay? And then Great. what I found that sometimes works is get a lint roller and take a lint roller out to the underside of your leaves and then you can sort of lint roll those eggs up and, and the bugs up too and that's a really quick way to clean them up in the spring. Oh, that'd be, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a great yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. So just keeping yeah. on top of it, number one is just, just keep, and make sure when you're spray, doing any sprays, if you're going to do any sprays, you have uh-huh. to get the underside of the leaves. Everybody sprays the top of the leaves Yes. and yeah. that's not going to do anything. There's no, you're not going to get the bug at all. So. Is there anything recommended for spray, like even this fall spray the ground? I mean, I don't like the idea of doing that. Yeah, not to get out other critters. That... If you're gonna put anything in the ground, just use diatomaceous earth. Okay. 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 That, that's an organic one. It's a safe yeah. one to use, and it'll it'll get onto the bug and get into all the crevices and that kind of stuff. Okay. Anything recommended for the spring? Like, does it mount uh, ups, it no, I would use I use diatomaceous in the earth and right away in the spring as well. Okay. okay. So that when they come out of the ground, that they're getting some of this on them. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. okay. Thanks. Thanks for your help. You have a great day. You're Thanks welcome. again. Bye. 
Okay, we have uh, Jill. Uh, we've got about a minute left here. Just before we're gonna we're gonna take Kevin on the line here, just right after the after the break here. So just remembering about right now harvesting. The people are getting the gardens all finished up right now. So they still still if there's still stuff growing in your garden, you can put a frost cover blanket, especially if you got melons and cucumbers. Uh, not cucumbers, cucumbers too. And if you have cucumbers still out there, but most people have probably picked their cucumbers by now. But uh, if you have melons or watermelon, you want to. They can or get, some of the squashes aren't quite ripe yet. So they can get a good size yet. Mm-hmm. The watermelons. I had a watermelon from the the the, the Hutterite colony at a, um, a farmers market, and the, oh, they were just yeah. You were telling me about that cantaloupe. Just that you had. so juicy and so well, good. Even it was my, unbelievable. Even my pumpkins are still developing on my vines out in my backyard. So I'm going to leave them on as long as I can. We have here Kevin at Pike on Pike Lake, and good morning, Kevin. How are you today? Pretty good. Very good. Hey, what are you doing for, uh, you said you were putting up a temporary deer fence. Yeah. What are you using? I'm using a, it's a, it's a plastic deer fence. It works pretty good. It's about, it goes, it's seven feet tall. And because you got to be at least seven feet. I know my, my, uh, uh, out, out of the nursery, I'm, I'm almost close to seven and a half feet. And I, I've chased a deer before in the nursery and they've almost cleared it, but not quite. So, um, uh, the, the, I'll have to put some posts up and then I'll put some wire to hold up the deer fence, uh, on, in between the posts and then, um, and then that way it'll just keep the fence from, I'll tie, I'll twist, I'll zip tie them onto the fence line and then, yeah. um, and then hopefully keep them out that way. Well, where did you get, <clears throat> where did you get the, the fencing and how much did it cost? Um, I can't remember the cost. I, I ordered my fencing last spring already, so I can't remember what the cost was anymore. But okay. uh, but you can get the deer fencing at pretty much a lot of the gardening outlets. Uh, you can you can go to any gardening uh, store. Uh, not everybody's going to have them, but a lot of them will have them. It's it comes in a roll, and uh, and you just unfold it out, and it goes. It's seven feet tall. You got to have at least seven feet tall. If you have only have a five foot fence, it won't work. So yeah, the deer okay. will just jump, clear that easy. So, just how, make, how important is it that that fence is like, like you said, is like plastic? So does it is it is the deer going to go through that at all? Well, or? sometimes you have to watch because sometimes they will try to j- run into it and jump into it, and then you have to fix. You know, you have to repair it, obviously. But uh, I used to before I put a metal deer fence up around the nursery. I had a plastic one, and, yeah. and just around certain crops of trees I had, and uh, it, it, worked it, it worked pretty good. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Right. Bye. And we're going to go to here. We're going to go to Tracy and Bruno. Good morning, Tracy. Hello. My question is, we have uh, very small pine trees that the seeds must have been deposited by squirrels or birds. I don't know. On the north side of a shed, they range anywhere from you know, two inches up to two feet. Yep. Just wondering, um, when can we transplant them and put them in a, a spot that's going to be of some purpose, not behind north side of a shed? Yeah, you could do it right now. Now's a great time for evergreens because they've set their buds for next year. So it's not a problem to do that right now. And then water them in. And even if you want to mulch them for the first winter time, that'll be fine. Uh, otherwise, do it first thing in the spring as soon as the frost out of the ground. So around the 15th of April. Okay, because there's usually snow still there at the yeah. in April. In April, so, so but uh, it, well, as long as there's snow there, you just as soon as the snow disappears and the frost out of the ground, so it might be the 15th of April, it might be the 20th of April, whatever the time is, you can move them then as well. But otherwise, you can move them right now. If they have time with it, they can still get rooted with this kind of weather. 
Okay, perfect. And just water them down well then. Just water them down well. Yeah, and they'll be fine. Put in some, if you want to put some bone meal or some uh, root starter fertilizer in with it, that'd be great too. So even the very small ones, like the two, three-inch ones, yep. the two-foot one will probably move for sure. Yeah, not a problem. Even the two, three. I, I've dug a whole bunch of them. One time a year, I dug up about a 1,000 of them in my, my sister-in-law's pro- property. They had a whole bunch of big spruces, and they all grew in the mulch. And I put them all into one-gallon pots. So, yeah, it doesn't, you can move even the small ones. Okay, good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to go down to Nadina in Macklin, Saskatchewan. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about my apple tree. It was a dwarf tree, and it had beautiful apples. Now, I've got them all picked, so what do I do make the tree, you know, survive the winter and all that? Well, you can wait till the leaf. If you want, there's not, not much you have to do to it at all. If you want, you can do a bit of pruning on it, and uh, a little bit early to do the pruning. I like to wait till the leaves, the leaves start turning color, until the leaves had a couple frosts on them. Uh, so you're looking in October, basically, with do that I have one. to water it at all? Uh, you just probe the soil, okay? So probe the soil. If it's really dry down 12 inches down, give it some water right now, okay? okay. Otherwise, if it's wet down 12 inches, then you don't have to do anything to it. You can give it one last good watering about the middle of October. So if you have oh. the water shut off, just take a few pails out there and give it a watering around the drip line of the tree about the middle of October. And that's all you really need to do. But and right now, water if it's dry, okay? And I'll wh- check on that. And I have one more house question. I've got a Christmas cactus and it's dropping those little pieces. Why is it doing that? Uh, it could be a few reasons. It could be that uh, it's either being overwatered or underwatered are usually the two biggest things or it needs to be transplanted. So uh, the best way to do is just, I even will take a pencil and I'll just poke it in the soil around. And you can sort of, the kind of like what Rick always talks about with the rebar to see if how dry it is. Now, yes. Christmas cactuses like to go dry in between. Is Are the leaves like, are they looking like almost like a silvery color or are they turning a black color before they fall off or what's happening there? They really aren't doing much color change. Okay. They just fall off. They're just falling off. So then that, that tells me it's more of a, a watering thing. You might be waiting just a little bit too long in between the watering, or there might not be adequate drainage in the bottom. And sometimes we see this over time. It doesn't affect the plant right away, but over time there's buildup in the bottom of that pot, and we need to transplant it to get rid of that bacteria growth. I think it needs a, a transplant, to be perfectly honest. But where do I get cactus? Um, plant soil. Yeah, you can pick up cactus soil at any garden center if you want to make it yourself. Um, you just add one third perlite. I add a little bit of sand and a little bit uh, of just the potting mix to make your own. Yeah, I don't have much choice of anything here, but I'll see what I can find. Okay. Anyways, thank you very much. Thank you for your call. Hey, Rick, with that um, fruit tree for, yeah. for winter, I know that we had trouble with some of the, the pear and the apple trees at the garden center um, with rodents eating the base yeah. of them, and I know that they like the fruit tree. So what would we do to prevent that in the winter? You could actually put a tree guard around the base of the tree, and especially that will also do two things. It stops sun scalding, reflection off the snow, and then it just colors the bark or cracks the bark. Or otherwise, you have the, it stops the voles too from okay. going. If you think of a bad vole area, especially if you're backing onto a park way, or if you're backing onto a farmyard or acreage, something like that. And that's just simply like that white plastic that wraps around it. There's a plastic it, that wraps around. There's get, one, uh, it's usually white, so it reflects the heat. So it doesn't, since it's not black in color, so it absorbs heat black, but I usually white. Mm-hmm. And so the one that's a corrugated one, you just open it up and, and put it around it. And the other one is a spiral, so you just wrap it around. It doesn't matter what size it is. if you have a larger tree, could you use weeping towel or something like that around the base if you too? Paint, if you paint the weeping towel white. Okay. It's right now weeping towel is black, okay. right? That would work too. Just, but I'd suggest you spray paint them white or something like that. Okay. Okay. 
So here we're going to go to, uh, we're going to get another caller in the line here right now. We'll go to uh, Gary and Ida. Hi, Hi. are you calling me? Uh, Yes, Gary. How are you doing today? It's not Gary, it's Gray, and I'm at Elida. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Gary, Gray, yes. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, I have a field garden uh, out in the the field, and uh, I never had porch until just this year. And I'm wondering if I sprayed it with Roundup this fall, if that would get rid of it. No, Roundup doesn't work on Portulaca, sorry. It, it don't work at all. No, I'll so try yeah, the best thing to do, it's really tough. There's, um, there's not that many chemicals. That, the one that might, might work is called uh, Weed Be Gone. It's an iron one. Okay, uh, would, would that get it, though, for the uh, just a year? Does that, would that permanently get it? Well, the problem is it's probably gone to seed, right? And put a whole bunch of seeds in the ground. That's, you can put the uh, corn gluten down to yeah, prevent the seeds. Well, you can't do that in the garden, though. No. No. So that's the only problem. So Jeez. the best way is, is honestly, is, is to put a... I always tell people, and that's what my dad always taught us, too, put a pail in the middle of the garden, and a yeah. po- our pot, and every time you see one, you pick it and put it in the pot. Because if you leave it on the ground, it goes... To, and if you rototill it or anything like that, it goes... You just make cuttings. That's all you do. You okay. make more. And if you were like you and you were a kid, you had to pick, the, pick it, and yeah. then your dad would step on it <laughs> yeah. at the end to push it down. And then you only gave it twenty five cents a bucket. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, yeah, we, uh, we had it in our garden, like by the house, yeah. and my wife always kept it picked, and we we've kept it under control. But I don't know where the damn stuff come from. But this is the first year I've seen it out in my field garden. I can't figure out where the heck it come from. Well, if it came field garden, it might have came on the implements. If you did any cultivating or rototilling, it might have been on the implement itself. Because all it takes is one little cutting, one little leaf, and it starts. Yeah, it's a fun weed. Well, thanks, yep. guys. Okay. Give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five, And that's on the text as well, even or call. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. You're listening to uh, Rick and Jill Van Damdick, and uh, welcome. And uh, we're going to get right to the calls, Jill. We have some calls waiting here. So we're going to go right to here, Scott in Saskatoon. Good morning, Scott. Hello. You have some problems with some aspen poplars. Yes, I do. Uh, It's been ongoing probably for about two years now. And what's happening is that they, uh, they, the tips of the leaves were turning brown and basically dying off way before fall. And I had to cut down two of them. Now I noticed three more of them in my yard in behind the shed. One of them is completely leafless. The other one is losing its leaves. Now, and the other problem with these ones is the the roots that they're sending out are lifting everything in my yard. Yep. <laughs> like underneath my shed and everything, and I'm just, I love the trees, but I got to get rid of them. Yep. They're just... They're just a big problem uh, all the time. So, yeah. so what, what you have, the tops are dying out on the avocado. It's called a poplar bore. It's an insect that oh, okay. drills into the trunk, and especially yeah. the top half of the tree, especially starts in the top and works its way down mostly on the trees. And then okay. they, they drill in, they mine, and then, of course, the sap doesn't go to the top of the tree, and then they die. Okay. Okay. And so the only way you can stop them is 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 to basically you gotta you gotta cut those those tops of the trees out because that's a nesting area for them, right? Oh. And, and okay. so and so you gotta keep those trimmed out. And then if you see any holes, they're about the size of a ballpoint penhead in the shape of a D. 
Okay, they're small. Okay. You can right. also always take some what's called Doctor Doom or it's a pyrethrin, and it, you know they have a they have a, a an aerosol can with a straw and like a WD forty can. Okay, with a red well, straw. Yeah. And you can these spray into are the like holes. Over twenty feet tall. Yeah, so. I know. Yeah, that, it's yeah. it's it's tough once they get into it. The best way for, to not get the bugs is keep a tree healthy. So water it really well, uh, and and keep it fertilized all the time, because a healthy tree won't tr- will be the last one that those bugs go after. Okay. Right. They go after stressed okay. trees. Now to get okay. rid of them. Now to get rid of them, what's going to happen? Uh, are they an aspen or are they a tower poplar? Do you know? A tower poplar, I okay. guess it would be called. So, yeah. So with tower poplar, what's going to happen? What you may want to do if you're going to get rid of them, is that you want to if you cut it down, you want to leave a trunk, okay? And then you with that trunk, you want to drill holes in the trunk, and you want to pour some diluted Roundup into it carefully with a funnel, so that you're okay. not so you're not saturating the soil around it. You're just getting you know you have to get it into the into the wood of the trunk of the tree, because once yep. once you cut that tree down, it's going to want to sucker up everywhere. Okay. And that's well. Okay. So the roundup will take care of that, though. Take care of the suckering. It's going to take a long, a bit of time. It's going to be multiple applications. Okay. Is that right? Oh. Yeah. Wow. And if they do, okay. and they do pop up, then you can paint roundup onto the leaves. Okay. Okay. And it can't be straight up roundup. It doesn't work. It has to be diluted. It has to be mixed as the rate oh. it says in the container. Okay. Wow. Concentrate okay. roundup doesn't work. It has to be mixed with water. Oh, for crying out loud. Okay. Okay. Because I probably did that wrong then. So I did that two years ago when I cut the trees down. Yeah. And two of the trees, I should say, and I drilled the holes and and put round, straight roundup yeah. into them. No, it has to be mixed. Okay. Oh, for crying out loud. Very important. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Um, do you mind if I ask another question? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. It's about my lawn. Yep. I've got these. This weed or whatever it is growing in there with these little yellow flowers on it. Yep. And the roots are unbelievably yep. strong. They spread crazy like. What is that? I'm not even sure the name of it, but it's uh, it's one I've seen around Saskatoon and a lot of the, you know, like a lot of the along the roadways and that kind of stuff. And right. they, they like even where it's where it's even where it's dry, like they'll grow there. And the yellow flower. I'm not, not even sure what that, that one is called again. Any well, okay, any but, idea how to get rid of it? But the best way to get rid of it, it would be is, uh, is number one is just using the iron product, which is called a Weed Be Gone. And it's an iron-based uh, uh, weed herbicide. Okay. And that's probably the best one to use for that one. Okay. All right. So, but just keep on top of it because it, it does have a root that goes. You just can't pull it. It has a root I know, that goes. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I tried to pull the thing out, and yep. it just. <laughs> yeah. Like it's never ending. So yeah. in the lawn, that's probably the best one to use for that one, and just keep on top of it because there's going to okay. be there's going to be seeds from the flowers as well, right? So you're going to be it'll be a little bit yeah. of a time to get rid of it. Yeah, it's funny. I've got it, but my, my, uh, my neighbor doesn't. <laughs> you know, like 20 years ago, we never saw that one around very much, and now we're starting yeah. to see it more and more. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Have a good day. Right. Okay, Joe, we're going to go to uh, Yvonne in Regina. She's been waiting the longest. Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Um, I uh, am getting ready to bring in many pots into my home uh, to overwinter. And I was just recently told that if I mixed uh, two cups of Epsom salt to a five-gallon pail, I could submerge the the whole pot, like the soil and everything, to get rid of the bugs. 
Now, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, go ahead, Joe. I don't know if I'd use Epsom salts, but I'd use a, 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 a dish soap or, or even an endol, end right, Jill? Yeah, you can do a like mild solution with Dawn dish soap and do that and then um, drench them that way. But one of the things that's important to do is after you do the treatment, make sure that you're allowing that plant to dry out a little bit between waterings, first okay. of all. Because um, a lot of times what happens is we saturate the soil, we bring them indoors, and then there's no airflow to dry that plant out. So oh, they end up having rot issues, right? <laughs> mold and fungus. So then people are battling that mold and fungus all winter time. So if you are going to do it, then what I would do is is even take the plant out of the pot and allow the soil to dry out where you have the sort of the roots exposed almost like a root ball. Or if, um, it, or if it's small enough, just tip it upside down and submerge it that way. Submerge it that way. But right? to make sure you allow the soil to dry out after you submerge it so that you can... Okay. You so can you're get, suggesting just a dish soap and, uh, and the water, no, yeah. no Epsom salt. A Dawn all. dish soap. Now, the other thing that you can do, too, is if you have bugs in there, um, you can put something like a... Cut up a slice of potato or an apple and put that on the surface of the soil. Yeah, I, I What that's going to that do is draw... I don't know. Maybe I didn't have any bugs. Yeah, you might not have had any bugs. And sometimes we don't because getting those to the surface and then removing that top layer of soil is pretty much all you have to do. Oh, that's a good idea Mm. there, too. Uh, I did have uh, uh, about six coleus plants that I I had overwintered for a couple of years. And last year I had uh, the mold going up the stem. Yep. And it just couldn't get rid of it. I was spraying it with, with, uh, you know, certain solutions. And and, uh, they just all died. And I'm kind of concerned whether at first I thought maybe it was the soil that because I compost all my own soil yeah and I thought maybe it was the soil that I brought in to 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 use and um, I think it was just got into the plant and I couldn't get rid of it so yeah the other thing with coleus and some of those annuals that sometimes the mother plant is hard to save the the plant that you bring in but if you take cuttings off of those and just root them in water that's Mm -hmm. actually how you're going to get your new plants for next year have two big pots yeah. of uh, coleus cuttings in my kitchen right perfect, now. <laughs> perfect. I have some in my kitchen as well. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Okay, Joe, we got just uh, about 30 seconds here. Now, there's a, one caller here that called in about the deer fences. I've used the deer netting for years around my garden and flower beds. I use a T-post placed evenly around the area uh, and stepped on, and, and, and he put an electric fence post attached to the top of each one. So he extended higher, right? Mm-hmm. So he used a T because it's only a lot, a lot of them are only like six feet. So about, you know, five or six feet out of the ground, a lot of the T posts. So he extended with electric fence posts attached, uh, uh, and attaching an electric fence over to the top, um, hook zip ties and wire and twine. The height is good enough for eight feet or more, consisting about eight inches off the ground all the way around. Deer or deer, the deer are still getting in. Now, if it's eight inches off the ground, the deer can crawl underneath eight inches. I learned that with my nursery, uh, my steel fence. It has to go right to the ground. And sometimes yep. even having it so it lays on the ground a yep. little bit is good. I couldn't believe that they were crawling mm-hmm. underneath it. Uh, they were just, uh, it's just crazy. Um, so you have to, you, a lot of times you can pin them right to the ground. Give us a call, one 332 And you can do that by calling or text, one 332 Now, Jill, I just wanted to read the rest of this uh, this text from Joan from Southwest. Saskatchewan because it talked about you know doing the deer fence mm-hmm. and you put T posts and then she put raised parts with electric fence on the top to get up the taller but she said the deer were still getting in I'll just read you the rest of this because it was a longer uh, text so I didn't quite read it all and it said they got the deer were still getting in I've, I've already chewed down my sweet peas my rose bushes and other bushes and it's only September she says 
often they get their antlers stuck in the net and rip big holes in it. So that's that. Like I said, it, it is yeah. maintenance, and it, you just can't put it up and forget about it with the plastic fencing. Mm-hmm. If you're having bigger problems, you have to go to the steel fencing. If there's a couple of acreages I know south of Saskatoon that they actually put the big steel fence around, yeah. uh, then that that fixes it. Because I know the nursery, the only problem I have is trouble with trees falling down because I have a bush area, and then I got to fix those areas as well. But um, uh, but otherwise, you got to go to steel. They often get their antlers stuck and rig big holes in it, so I'm done with the stress. Expense and hard work of the beautiful yard. There's just too many deer, and they're not afraid of anything. Believe me, I tried it all. Now I'm to the point where they can have it all. Joan in Southwest, so very frustrated. There's a lot of people with a lot of deer problems, especially last year. We can just hope for to get some rain and to get the grass green, because if the grass gets green, and then the, they'll de- have the, the deer won't the grass be so hungry. The they won't yeah. be so hungry that they're just eating everything. And that's mm-hmm. the problem with the drought is that the deer are just starved and there's just so many deer. So that's, that's, that's a frustrating part. And, uh, otherwise uh, just a good dog. I know we had, when I came home from holidays last winter, we had 40 deer in the yard and, uh, the dog, when, cause Max loves Max, those deer. Max came out and she, I put them most on the run except for six of them where one of them of the six decided to play tag with Max and they used to just chase each other back and forth. And one thing good with Max too is she's got yeah. a collar on her so she'll just chase them out to your property line yeah. and then leaves them alone. Yeah, so. that's right. So anyway, we're going to the calls here. Keith and Regina, you've been waiting the longest here. You want to talk about the top of your tree. <clears throat> morning. Good morning. Uh, we have an elderberry tree and I say tree because it's like 12 feet high. It's okay. not bush. Yeah. yeah. But the top two feet or so this year is just like dying off. Yeah. And we've had branches on the top kind of do that, you know, here and there. But this year it's really bad. Yeah. Well, two things they'll do. Elders will do that as they get older, you know, if the trunks, if the trunks getting really old. And they'll yeah, also like probably eight inches thick yeah at the so bottom. it's pretty big so what you need to do with that one is and it, it also happen when it's that big uh elders don't like too much moisture but if they get too dry because i've noticed we have some wild ones growing in in a bush right beside us beside our, our acreage and uh with the drought i noticed the top of the branches are all dead as well so they have ah. such they have such big leaves that they do need a moisture okay yeah so that probably is why so you can just trim those off and 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 even thin them out a little bit, and it'll fill okay. it'll fill back in. Just what? Just probe the soil next summer, and just keep an adequate amount of moisture, not wet, but just adequate amount of moisture, and you won't get that issue. Yeah, because the bottom, you know. Three quarters are great, big, huge green yeah. leaves. Yeah, they're really healthy. But yeah. that top because the bottom is shaded, right? But the top yeah. is right up in the sun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, okay. sounds good. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to go to here is uh, Gary in Regina. Good morning, Gary. You have a question about cedar trees. Uh, yes, I do. I, we've got uh, two cedar trees in our yard. They're about, both about four, four feet tall. Yep. We've had them for a couple of years. Uh, one is still in perfect shape, looking good. And the second one, only a few feet away from it, this year started getting all brown on the inside, and it's gone all scraggly looking. Yep. Like they've both been getting the same water, the same fertilizer. What's... What would be causing the there, one to be healthy and the other not to be? There's there's two things. One is is moisture. Okay, one you got to watch because some of them in different parts of the yard, some might get more water that comes off the grass than the other spots. So probe even though you get the same amount of water, probe the soil to check whether one is wetter than the other one. Okay, first thing to do. The other okay. one with this kind of heat, we've been having lots of issues with the evergreens with spider mite. Okay, and they work from the bottom inside up and out. 
and they just suck on the moisture. And you'll notice the inside leaves being gray first, and then they'll turn sort of, after gray, they just turn brown and they fall, they fall off, okay? Okay. And so you'll see that. So spider mite, the best thing to get rid of that is just by blasting with cold water or using an insecticidal soap kind of works, but then otherwise, if you've got a real infestation, using malathion. Okay. Okay. So okay. those those are the two things you got to watch. Is that even though people think they water the same, probe the soil. You can't. I couldn't go into your yard and figure out what's wrong with it unless I actually took a piece of rebar and probed the soil, and it tells me all the all the all the answers I need to know. Okay, that sounds great. I'll try that. Thank okay. you very much. You're welcome. And we got Dave in Saskatoon. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning. You have a question about some plants and some fruit trees in your yard. Uh, I had an amaryllis. I, I dug it up about uh, two weeks ago. It's in a bag now waiting to be replanted. I'm wondering when I should put it in a uh, pot uh, to, uh, so it's, you know, closer to Christmas this year. Yeah, have you already put it through, like you dug it up from outside? Yes, I did. I would probably put it into a, a, a fridge or a cold storage area for a little bit of time. And then from the time that you plant it up, it's going to take about three weeks to three to four weeks to, to bloom. So you want to make sure that you middle, sort of... Middle of October. Middle of October. Yeah, at least. I would say do that. But I would put it into a cold storage area. And when you yep. do that, make sure you keep it away from any apples or oranges at that time. Because those will give off ethylene glass, which will cause it not to bloom. So, so put it in your your fridge then yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> and as well um, i have i put in two fruit tree like a cherry tree and an apple tree in the back yep they're only about four feet high um but the t- there's uh growth from the bottom but they're the tops top area is they're dead and really brittle Okay, so if it's coming from below the graft, there's a little knob at the base, okay? Okay. It's called the graft, okay? The, the, the little, it'll be like a little knob. And uh, if it's coming from below the knob, then it is not the same tree. It's, it's, it's just, it's the, gra- it's the root graft, okay? Okay. And so you won't get the same apple trees. You'll get just little tiny crabs out of it. So if it, if it, but if it's, a, if it's if the shoot's coming from above the graft, then you'll have the same apple. So if it's below the graft, I wouldn't waste your time anymore, okay? So okay. if you bought the plant, you, if it died from the top, you, you may have a warranty on you know, wherever you purchased them from, and uh, you can always re- get them replaced. Okay. Okay. And um, as far as uh, I've got some about three-foot cedars in the front, when should I put the burlap on? Not until the ground is frozen. Okay. Okay. So you're not looking. What gets the cedars is the is the is the is the spring sun, when the sun's getting higher in the sky, and uh, and so it's usually in March where that problem usually happens. Okay. Now Rick said to to wait until the ground's frozen. If you're going to put stakes around it to hold oh, yeah. the burlap, make sure you get the stakes in before, before the ground. Before the ground. Is- <laughs> exactly. So you can put the stakes in, but uh, and if you're going to put the stakes in. Uh, the best thing to do is make sure that uh, use use a a, a, a burlap that that has it's for made for wrapping plants. It's it's a very loose knit, it's not dense at all, and it lets you're not letting, trying to keep the heat in. You're just trying to shade it from the sun. That's all you're trying to do. Okay. Okay. And, and then also make sure if you're going to wrap right the tree itself, not use stakes. Leave it six inches off the ground. I need snow on the dirt uh, around the trunk of the tree. Okay, if you wrap it right down to the ground, there will be no snow cover there. And then what will happen is you'll have trouble with the frost on the roots. Okay? Okay. 
So have a good day. Good. Thanks very much. We had a bunch of texts we need to get rid of here. So give us a call at one 332 8255 either call or text. But here's the first uh, one, Jill. Uh, I have a fiddly fig that's about 13 feet tall. It's getting pretty tall for a house, right? right? Yeah. It's getting too tall for us. Uh, can we top it off? Where do we cut it? And can we start a new plants or the part we cut off? Absolutely. You can cut it off. Now, on your stem of those fiddly figs, there's going to be almost like little nodes where the leaf comes out. And you can cut it about an inch underneath one of those nodes and um, on an angle is, is best. And uh, just sort of stick them right into um, a vase of water is the best way to do it. I know my sister Nikki does this all the time with her fiddles that are getting so huge huge and they keep hitting the roof. She just keeps lopping them off, sticking them in vases of water, and then she'll actually plant them even at the base of her her current plants or she'll give them away and start new ones. It usually takes a little bit of time for them to re-root, so you're looking at about four weeks for them to re-root. Um, once you get a good set of roots on them, then you can uh, plant them back into soil again. Okay, now we have Sean from Saskatoon. He's asking, when's the last time to fertilize your lawn and what fertilizers should we use? So you want to use a fall fertilizer. You'll see them in a lot of the garden stores. Stores and departments, and uh, so fall fertilizer, or you can use what I like is just the groundskeeper because I don't have to pick a different fertilizer. I can use it spring, summer, and fall. It's made locally in Saskatchewan here, and uh, there's two different types: one with phosphorus and one without phosphorus. I always like using the phosphorus one in the spring and the fall, but then I use the non-phosphorus one in the summertime, and uh, so that works really good. Um, so otherwise, yeah, don't, don't be using your summer fertilizer. It's just, it's making your, your lawn grow too vigorous. Okay. So using a fall fertilizer is the best way to do it. And also I have a uh, good morning. Uh, this is from Cheryl from Struthers Lake. Uh, good morning. I, I have a juniper rust and from my juniper moved in, into, into our native Saskatoons and roses. Do I, do I have to trim the back, uh, all the affected areas of the trees? Do I deal with, how do I deal with this, the, the source? The juniper tree uh, the, and the juniper tree, will the sastoons and roses be okay next year? Yeah, what you can do is you can do a little bit of trimming if you want. It's good to trim them. They love to be trimmed anyways. But how are you going to uh, gonna control that is by also uh, making sure that you're watering the plant properly with this drought and keeping the nutrients uh, up to under as well. Using Don't use a, a high nitrogen fertilizer for fruit trees. Using a, a fruit and berry fertilizer. But also using, if you've got juniper rust, you're going to need to use, um, um, uh, on the Saskatoons and roses that use a product called Bordeaux. It's a copper sulfate. And if you do have the rust in the junipers, you need to actually junipers themselves. If you have junipers, then you need to trim that part out. And that's where you'll take care of it. We're going to go to Jason here, Jill, in Saskatoon. And Jason here, just going to get the right mouse here. There we go. Good morning, Jason. You have a question about a burst tree. Yes, I do, yeah. So I have a birch tree that's probably 15, 20 years old. Um, otherwise, looks very healthy except for a branch at the very top. And so it's it's a substantial branch. Um, it's dead. It's lost all of its its leaves. It's, it, I don't know what the heck is going on with it. Uh, you need to get, how tall is it, you said? Uh, it's mature, so quite tall. Okay. Taller than my house. What I'm, what I'm worried about right now is that birch tree, do you know if it's a white birch or is it a, is it, what type of birch is it? A weeping birch? White birch? I, I think it's a weeping birch. Okay. I, I've, I've, I'm afraid what you may have, and I'm not sure, it might be just the drought, okay? It could be just the right. drought because those trees suck a lot of moisture and water in the lawn is not enough for them, okay? 
you got to yep. actually deep water them around the baseline of the, you know, the drip line of the tree uh, at least once a month, okay, during the summertime, like a good watering. And so, but what, what happens with it, with it is it always starts from the top, and usually the top 10 feet of the tree is when the birch borer gets into them, okay? Okay. And once the birch borer gets into them, uh, it, they just work their way down the tree, okay? They start, they start mining underneath the bark, and they just, and they basically kill the top of the tree right down. So the only way you can get that out is you need to trim it off, and that's hard to get out. How do you get up there to trim it, right? So, um, but you might want to get yourself an arborist just to get their bucket truck up there. If they can get close enough to check what it is, they can cut the part of the tree off and they can look at the end and see whether you do have uh, the 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 the, uh, the birch bore in it. Now, the only other, the only product the problem is that we used to have a product called Saigon around, but you can't get it anymore. Okay, so the, once the bug gets in there, there's no real way of uh, of of getting it out other than trimming it out. Well, it's not not news. good. It's not good, but it's 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 probably what you have. It wiped out basically in Saskatoon in in a lot of areas and around Saskatchewan. It wiped out a lot of the weeping birches in a lot of neighborhoods. This birch borer, it came to it came into Saskatoon. I know in the eighties when everybody put wood burning fireplaces in, and they had birch firewood around right from up north. And so, right, but yeah. w- once you got them, you you got to keep on top of it by keeping it trimmed out. Okay. Okay. Step one: get that get that branch down. Yep, absolutely. And even a little, okay, even a little farther down than the dead. Okay, because that's where they'll check whether you still have the bore. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Okay, Jill, we're going to go to some more texts here. So one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is the call and text number. Uh, Jill, we're going to go um, to here. Okay, Jill and Rick, uh, uh, I have uh, garlic seed balls of all sprouted. If I plant them, will they grow? So that that's the first one. And then the other question is, we'll get to that after the garlic one, Jill. So. Um, you definitely, you can plant them if they've sprouted. It's best to plant them if they have not sprouted yep. because sometimes you'll just get the new growth growing too quickly in this fall season, especially with the warm weather. I trim the sprouts back trim the and sprouts. then plant them. And yeah, so they the root. back. You might even want to wait another week or so until the weather's a little bit cooler if they've already sprouted too. Keep them in cold storage for a little bit longer and then plant them out once it gets a little bit cooler so you don't get more sprouting happening. The other one is that one apple tree is good, the other one isn't. Anything I do to help, um, it, it probe the soil. Watch, uh, I'll say that over and over again in this drought. You never know from one place to the yard that there's, there's two different things happening in different parts of the yard, depending how the water comes off the grass and everything else. Probe the soil, and if it's really wet, you know, in that area, probe the soil some more. If it's dry, give it some water. Uh, no fertilizing this time of the year. You won't fertilize till next spring. And if you have any dead branches, prune them out. That's the, that's about all you can really say for that right now. Um, here we go. Good morning. Uh, we are wondering about how high to keep our lawn before winter. Uh, I have to cut it this week, but it's not growing much anymore because we haven't fertilized since July. Should we give them a fall fertilizer? Thanks. Yes, fall fertilizer helps yeah, definitely. for getting the roots ready now, but also for your, you'll have the greenest lawn next spring as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's important. Uh, the lawn, I like to keep my lawn in the summertime, and especially when it's drought, a little thicker, about two to two and a half inches long. But for for the wintertime, I want to be about an inch and a half to inch and three quarters. Which is about the second um, yeah. setting on your lawn. I don't mark. like to go to an inch or less. Mm-hmm. Because that just that also just with the with the sun sometimes in the winter because we don't get a lot of times we don't get snow for 
until, you know, into well, sometimes in December, December in some places. So that'll just dry out your roots. So keep it a little bit, not, but if you leave it too long, it mats down and then you get snow mold. So yes. there's, there's sort of a, a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So keep that, keep that in mind when you're doing that. And I'm going to be spraying my front lawn. I always have trouble with um, snow mold on there. So I'm going to be spraying a little bit of copper Bordeaux on my lawn, just in the front where I get the snow molds and that will just definitely help. So I'll probably do that in October, yeah. I would say. The latest you can before yeah. the snow comes. Yeah, basically. Um, here we go. Uh, oh, here's uh, Marjorie and Bigger. We have concerns about the large amount of locusts we're seeing in our lawn. It appears that they are mating and laying eggs. Is there anything we could do to prepare for next year? Uh, last time there was an infestation that ate everything in the garden and all the leaves and, and off of all the carraganas, and we have our new trees and concerned about them next spring. So yeah, just bottom line is that you can put diatomaceous earth if you want. You can get a, a, a powder form that you can put in the grass. That'll help them when they start coming out of, of that. The uh, other thing is that garlic spray, that um, mosquito barrier, it's, yep. uh, it's a concentrate garlic spray. They don't, they don't like that. They don't like that. So if you spray that around your, your trees and some yep. of your garden beds, that will definitely help too. And if you have them in your lawn right now, you can spray things like called trounce. Mm-hmm. Uh, that works. You, as a, you can hook on it in the end of your garden hose and you can spray your lawn with that. That'll, that'll get rid of the locusts that are there right now. It also goes into the gr- ground and will get rid of some of the some of the other larvae and different stuff in, the, in there as well. So um, uh, that's what all you can really do and just keep on top of it. Give us a call on 1-877-332-8255. That's text the, or phone. The fall colors have come out. It's looking stunning over yep. the South Saskatchewan River yep. right now. And the amount of kayaks and uh, rowers and paddleboarders that have gone by this morning. And it's middle of September. I couldn't and even believe out in the lake uh, how many boats were out there oh, yesterday. So beautiful. So. And it's calm as glass. Get outside. Get into your garden. It's a perfect day for it. Yep. We're going to go right away to here to Jill. We're going to go to Veronica and Regina. You have a question about bringing your houseplants in. Yes, uh, my name is Veronica. I uh, want to bring my mandevilla plant in. So would it be good if I sprayed it with like a three-in-one yeah, de- or like safers or something? Yeah, definitely. But the first thing I like to do is because that grows so vigorously, I will cut it down to about a half to a third of the size. Then you have less leaves that you're going to have and, to manage. And, and pick all the flowers off. Even <laughs> though you don't want to, the flowers where most of the bugs are. Yeah, flowers in the buds. Um, oh, so, so take all the flowers off yep. the and fl- then cut it down and then bring it in? Yeah, and then you're going to bring it in. Before you bring it in, I usually would give it one spray with the end all. Um, so spray it once, even bring it into the garage first, and then spray it again in 10 days. And I use, like to use the Safer Soap product. The best one that, to use is one called Endol. Yep. And it's got, yeah, that's the one I have. It's got the pyrethrin and the canola oil in it. So even take it right into your bathtub and make sure you give it a good spray so that it's almost dripping. And I, like I said, I like to cut, cut it down to about half so that you're eliminating some of the leaves. And then you can do it one of two things in the wintertime. You can keep it actively growing in a nice sunny window, or you can allow it to go a little bit more dormant like you would a geranium plant in the winter. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Enjoy. Thank you very much. And we're going to go down, I believe, the Rose Valley is way down south in Saskatchewan. We've got Russ here. Good morning, Russ. Good morning. Yeah, no, it's uh, two, hour, two and a half hours uh, east of Saskatoon. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, moles and voles? Yes. Okay, I, I sent shot a text last week. Um, 
my wife has had a, a gopher trap. I yep. thought it was a mole trap. I looked at it. It's a gopher trap, one of those rubberized ones. Yep. And uh, she had it for about four or five years, caught one mole. They always just filled it up. And so she tried your peanut butter and the raisin at, at the at – the, there's a hole in the end of it. Yep. And she just put that on a stick and stuck it in there. And so far in uh, two weeks, she's got eight moles. <laughs> there he goes. That's great. It really works. <laughs> it really works. Yes. Uh, but moles are not supposed to like – like they like grubs, right? Yeah, they like grubs and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, they'll even eat too sweet. They'll they'll even eat tomatoes and all that kind of stuff. So anything that would attract them, like the smell of the peanut butter, is attracting them to see what it is, right? And so that's awesome. So you're using the black hole trap, and then you a little bit yeah. of peanut butter to put on the end of a stick with a and raisin on it through that hole and through that outside. hole. That that's 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 an awesome tip. <laughs> it really is. And so. uh, and we catch mole uh, voles. Sorry on. On the mouse trap, yep. snap traps, and that works. That that, 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 you, cover that you have to cover that mole hole with a black pail or something. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't let the you can't. Well, you, you can use a black black pole. Or you use, uh, sometimes you cover, just have that cover. light. If you cover it and put okay. the peanut butter in, that works good. But otherwise, you let that hole, let light go in it because he wants to plug that hole up. If you're not going to use peanut butter, yeah. okay. Uh, we found when we did that that they just backed in and plugged the hole. Okay, so and never. That's why we were. She couldn't catch any. Well, there you go. So that's a great tip then. Put the pail over top, but put the, the, the attractor, which is the peanut butter with the raisin, and then you yeah. caught eight of them. So that's a good good way. That's that's great. Yeah, and she's checking right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks, thanks Russ, for your tip. That That's an awesome tip for everybody. All righty, thanks. Have a great one. Enjoy your show, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Jill, we're going to go right to back to the text line here. So many texts coming in. Thank you all for your, your texts and calls today. This is great. Okay, we have about a minute and a half, Jill, so we're going to get through some more texts here. Good morning. We have a row of eight Brandon Cedars, approximately 10 to 12 feet tall, and they are growing pretty healthy until this week. They're turning brown from the inside out, mostly from the third, uh, the middle third and, and not much at the top. So there again, no visible webs or signs of insects. Could it be just a result of the warm fall we're having? Or should I just give them some more water? Probe the soil. Just don't give water, okay? If it's wet, they'll be fine. Okay, so probe the soil. Because if you have mulch and everything, you would don't know, right? So stick a rebar down there. The rebar has ribs on it. It brings it up. It captures it. Uh, watch for spider mite. Spider mite is some... It's, um, Spider mite basically is a fine web that's in between the needles. So you need a magnifying glass to see, actually see the spiders. They're so small. Okay, so you can also take a clipboard with a white piece of paper and tap some branches on the inside, and then you'll see little tiny wee specks moving around. Okay, you can see it that way too. Otherwise, there's also a fungal going around too. If you have the your garden sprinklers hitting the cedars all the time, they're moist all the time, there's a fungal that, 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 that gets onto the cedars as well, and then you have to use Bordeaux to help stop that as well. So something you might want to bring a sample into your local garden expert and just get it that verified as well if you're not sure. Now, we get this comment all the time when people allow their cedars to get too big and then they want to do a little bit of light pruning on them too. So if they are going to be doing light pruning, they want to make sure that they are just pruning them um, a little bit at a time um, so that you're not pruning into the brown because you can't prune a cedar into brown. So yep, if you're needing exactly. to shape or do some pruning, you can do that any time of the year. 
So one other last quick uh, one here right now is Manitoba maple. Can I prune right now? Yes, you can still prune Manitoba maples in September. And same with birches. But once we get into middle of October, you can't prune them anymore because they'll bleed next spring. Okay, so make sure you do that, and that will be perfect. We're going to go to... um, No, we still have another minute. I can add one more text here yet. Um, uh, good morning. I planted a male and female uh, a kiwi. Any, any real quick, Jill, any ways I can overwinter this one? Um, well, they could be overwintered just like your clematis or any perennial. Right in the ground is the best way to do it. If you found both a male and a female, good for you. Um, I've been trying and trying and trying to find female plants, and I can only find the males right now. So um, if you have both of them, just give them a little bit of extra mulch. Yes. Sometimes we'll stick a little cardboard box and leave the flaps open on the top and fill it up with dry leaves, um, and then that will give it an extra mulch or take some um, cedar mulch or pine mulch around the, the base of the plant and, and do that to give it some extra insulation for the winter. Okay, Tim and Shellbrooke, is it a good time to plant grass seed? What steps should I do? I planted grass seed a week ago, and it's all little hairs coming up right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do it with this kind of weather, do it right away. And okay? make sure you give it some good water right good now. Good watering, too. and I put a little bit of fertilizer in with it when I did it as well. I used that groundskeeper fertilizer, and uh, that works good as well. So... Um, uh, also, let's see here. Hi, it's Alan Regina. Can you mix grass seed in with your fall fertilizer? There again, I just, I just almost answered that one. I put, for, I put my grass seed down, and I put my fertilizer down, and then I raked it all in with my new seed, and then it worked really well. Uh, you don't, not a high nitrogen. I only use a 16 nitrogen. That's the highest I use. Okay, uh, that's important. And if you use the groundskeeper, use the one with phosphorus in. That, that's a great one for starting seed. When should I stop watering Manchurian ash? Uh, now. You s- slow down the watering now for sure. They're turning color. They've turned gold color ready, your Manchurian ash. So slow down the watering. Probe the soil. If they're totally dry, water them uh, then right now. But otherwise, give them their, if they're still moist, then give them the last watering in basically the uh, middle of October. So we're going to do this here. We're gonna, you got to watch me to make sure we get into the, into the break here on time, Jill. Okay. I'm, I'm, we got this. I, I have a hard time doing... <laughs> You know, one of those. You're you know, doing great, Dad. Habit, You're habit, doing great. Two things at once, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. This is Dave and Megan of Current. We need to know how to get hibiscus tree ready to bring in back inside the house. Still blooming and growing, probably seven feet tall. Yeah, so similar to what we were telling the lady about the mandevilla vine. So you want to make sure you bring it in um, and spray it down right now. So you want to use a product called Endol, which is a pyrethrin canola oil-based product. Spray it on now. You can remove the buds if you want to um, and the blooms. That's where you're going to see a lot of the um, the bugs on there. So sometimes we want to remove that. Bring it indoors. Put it in a nice sunny window is best. And with that one, if you want to keep it going all winter, I would add a supplement grow light to it as well. So that would be really important yeah. too. Bright window is the key. Yeah, Much bright, bright window. Otherwise, what you can do sunlight. is you can allow it to go dormant and actually defoliate the plant and put it put it'll, it into it'll like probably defoliate anyways when you bring it inside so <laughs> yeah but spray it down but if you're having lots of troubles with yeah. bugs defoliating the plant completely um in about a, another month or so definitely helps and a lot of greenhouses do that with their hibiscus yeah. in the winter time is they defoliate them completely to treat them for bugs just remember a lot of a lot of different plants will defoliate by themselves because they're changing the type of you know the type of location they're in yeah i'd so, say that house plants in general if you have from outside to inside they're going to drop about uh, a third to a half of their leaves depending on the plant right yeah, if it's, if it's a snake, snake plant probably won't drop anything but i mean you get a fig <laughs> or a hibiscus yes, yes it will yes okay here we go um 
This is Brenton Swift Current. Um, about water, I had a water system on the farm that made the ground hard. Put in an RO system for the farm. This does this water have no minerals in it uh, in it in it to help the garden in any way? Um, the water uh, watered a fair bit, but the garden didn't look great. Once it rained, the garden flourished. Is R good for the garden? Is it beneficial? It is, but you need to fertilize because, like you said, you're taking all the trace elements out of your water. Mm-hmm. You know, all your magnesium and all that kind of stuff, the iron and all that kind of things. You're you're eliminating it all. So you do need to use an organic type of fertilizer, not a high nitrogen, but an organic fertilizer. It has it has all the micronutrients in it. Your boron, magnesium, your all that kind of stuff. Your your, uh, so make sure you put that in there, and, it's, and if it's hard, uh, add things like humic. Um, humic is a great thing. So if they're talking about a lot more for even putting in for the crops or the farms and putting in things like humic, and it'll help help break up the soil a bit and also help uh, buffer the, the pH of the soil and also retain some moisture as well. So there's lots of things you can put in your garden. I think key to success with anything is you need to be feeding those plants. You yes. need to be giving them food on a consistent basis. Yep. You're going to have healthier plants. You're going to have better yield of yep. crops. Compost, it's putting so compost un- into your garden, all just, that kind of stuff. Just think how sick you would get if you never ate a meal. You would get sick, you'd be more susceptible to diseases. So make sure you're fertilizing. Okay, here, Jill, talking about fertilizing. Gail from Regina, I'm leaving tomatoes on the plants as long as possible. A lot of people are doing that this year. Should I yeah. keep fertilizing? Uh, you want to slow down on your fertilizer as soon as you start getting the fruit on the plants. So yeah. you don't necessarily need There's to There's still fertilize. flowers coming on, though. But Yeah. You're, it, the season's um, done, though. You, yeah. But if you still have flowers, you're not going to get any fruit yeah. on those. So just to get them to ripen, I would slow down on the fertilizer. If not, just stop fertilizing them completely. Yeah, And then also you can prune them a bit, some of the leaves off after this yeah. weekend because it's still warm. But the biggest thing, if you want to keep them on as long as possible, is get a frost cover so that you can cover them in night. Okay, Joe, we're going to go right back to the... Got a caller here. Uh, we got here Bob in Saskatoon. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. You have a question. Uh, yes, I have. I uh, took out a big fir tree here a few or four years ago. Yep. And I and I planted and I had it ground the stump ground. Yep. And I planted a lilac bush where the tree was. Yep. And, and it's happening. Having a tough time. Okay, so one thing you can do is I would suggest you might want to get a a, a, a soil test kit because if you had a spruce tree, you might be have high, really high pH or low pH there. So you might have to put okay. some you might have to put some lime, and also because when they ground it, you might have a you might have a lot of sawdust in that area as well. Okay, which is keep which is keeping a lot of moisture, and lilacs don't like it really wet. Okay, so you might oh, want to okay. might want to probe the soil and aerate the soil around there to let some oxygen into that soil as well. It might do better. Okay, so, I guess the first first thing to do is to test the pH. I test guess. the pH. You can do get a little test kit and you can test the pH. And if it's if it's really low, then add some lime. If it was a spruce tree, most times you don't need to add lime. But if you have a big spruce tree, you might have to add it for for special for that lilac. But also and, and also check your moisture and make sure that's not too wet. And make sure you grab some distilled water when you're doing that pH test kit. Yep. That's really important too. Okay. Uh, sorry, say that again. Use a, d- sure. use just when you do the pH test use distilled water so you need to go to your pharmacy and get a distilled water don't use tap water to do your test at home okay okay there you go good thank you very much you're welcome bob okay joe right back to the text here um 
let's see. How do I keep voles out of my lawn? Tried cutting my lawn short and I left it long. And left it long in the spring. I have the same problem. I also set mouse traps around the fence lines. Now make sure you use some mouse traps. That's the best way you can do to keep them out. Put a box over top them so the birds don't get it, and use peanut butter and a raisin or a craisin on it, and you'll catch lots of voles. Okay, and and watch. Don't leave uh, don't leave places where they can like a bunch of stacked lumber or uh, try to. That's where they'll be hiding underneath there. So put your traps close to there. Uh, watch for that or underneath the shed, uh, the garden shed where they can be underneath there. Put some traps underneath there. Uh, use lots of those traps. Set five, six, seven of those traps out. They're cheap. You can buy them at dollar store for next to nothing. And they work the best. And again, that garlic spray, that mosquito barrier, the voles yep. do not like that. So you can use that or even ground up some garlic in your blender and sort of mix that around. They really do not like that as well. Okay. So, um, Wonderful fall is a good time to treat uh, dog urine marks in the grass. What should I use before winter? That's a good, good one here because a lot of people have that. Uh, this is this is a new problem with a guest dog on the farm. Starts year, uh, and also they started urinating in the shrubs. Anything can stop this from happening. Uh, basically, you can for the lawn. You can use a product called Dog Spot Prevent, and basically it works really well. You can put it on three times a year: uh, once spring, summer, and fall. And you won't have that problem in the fall. I use that in my yard. It yeah. worked great. Also, the humic is also will work good for that kind of thing as well. So any one of those ones you can use for that. We got a Mel in Saskatoon. Good morning, Mel. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing? Very good. Good. I thought, first of all, I'd like to thank you two for uh, having a fantastic show. I listen to it every Sunday. Thank you. Oh, and thank you. Well, thank you very much for the information about my rose plant. Okay. I bought a rose plant this year, and I plant. <laughs> Bushed out beautifully, but I got no buds, so I'm kind of wondering, am I going to get buds next year, or yep, just what, a plant, or? What I want you to do, no, it'll, it should flower for you. What I want you to do is next spring, okay, don't do anything this fall, but next spring I want you to trim that by a third, okay, down. Okay, okay. 25% to 30% down, okay? And, okay? and then I want you to start fertilizing every three weeks from Mother's Day until July the 15th. And okay. you can use a 20-20-20, a 30-10-10, any one of those, Okay. Okay. And then okay. you'll you'll get you'll get lots of you'll get lots of flowers next summer. Should I wrap burlap around it over the winter? Just throw some a little bit of mulch around it. That's all you need to do. Okay, super. Like leaves or any garden bark or anything like that. The only time that you would need to do some heavy, heavy mulching is if you have a hybrid or a tea rose. And in that case, then you want to mulch it about a foot up, yeah. a foot to two feet up the stem. Just a hardy rose to throw some extra ones or extra mulch around it and it'll be fine, especially yeah. for the first year. Exactly. Well, thank you guys very much. You okay. guys are awesome. Have a great day. You too, Bob. And we're going to go to here, Lynn in Weyburn. Good morning, Lynn. Hello. Hello. Your question for us, Lynn. Well, uh, my raspberry bushes have got so tall. I was wondering, should I, I trim them back in the fall? Yep. Or will they produce less uh, No, fruit no. Trim them back that. in the fall. Trim them back about the middle of October. Okay, wait till okay. about the middle of October and trim them back in half. That's not a problem. And be is fine. now the time when you should be thinning them out as well? Yeah, you want to take out the old canes, the ones I've that already, produced. I've already done that. Okay, yeah, if you want to prune those back in half, you can do that. Wait, but wait until about the middle of October because they're, they're still pretty green right now. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, your program. You're welcome. Nice. Thank you. Okay, bye.
Now, we did get a text about bringing some succulents in for the winter time. Yes. And succulents, you would do treat exactly the same that you would for um, your house plants. So bring them in, check them for bugs. The biggest thing you're going to see on your succulents, though, is a bug called mealybug. And it usually looks like a white cottony bug. Um, it's in the scale family. And um, sometimes if you have that really bad, taking um, some rubbing alcohol on a Q-tip and rubbing that on there really helps. Um, I also sometimes will take the soil right off my um, succulent plants and replant them in some new soil when I do that. Because sometimes you can also get a root mealy as well, which is just those mealy bugs into the roots. And you can take with succulents, they don't need much soil. So take them all the soil right off, give them a good little bath in that end all in the end all mixture and then plant them back up again. Okay, we got a few more uh, texts we got to take care of, Jill. Um, hi, hi, my dahlia just started to bloom. Uh, I don't think it'll shut down for now. What do I do? Well, if you want to, you can uh, take a, a nice big root ball on it and put it into a pot and bring it inside the house. Yep. Um, and then after it's finished blooming, then decrease your watering and then store the bulb. Um, that way you can do it. Or you can even just keep the bulb right in the pot and store it in a cold storage area in the pot that or way. Or what you can do too is you can just let the frost hit the, a uh, couple of frost hit the top. Yeah. Don't let the bulb freeze. Then dig up the plant, hang it up, let it, let it dry up, let it dry up so all the green goes into the root ball into the back into the root and then to store them as a root for the winter time. But if it's just started to bloom and you want to enjoy it a little bit exactly. longer, bring it indoors. Okay. So I live in Dundurn Sandhills and there's any reason blueberries wouldn't grow here. Yes, uh, Tom from Dundurn. Uh, they will grow there, but you'll need to uh, acidify the soil. Okay, that'll be the key. Using aluminum sulfate or sulfur, you need to lower the pH of the soil and they'll do just fine. They'll do perfect there, but our soil around a dungeon area is a higher pH and the blueberries won't do very well unless you acidify the soil. Okay, I have a kids play area of sand about five inches deep in our yard. We want to convert it to a planting area, either lawn or perennials. How should we proceed on, on doing this conversion, Angie in Saskatoon? So five inches deep, if it's sandy, if you want to convert it to a planting area, depending what, oh, well, let's see planting area she wants to do either lawn or perennials mm. so if you're going to do lawn uh, it'll be hard you'll have to probably remove some of the sand and then put topsoil in that area because otherwise it'll just be always dry okay that area perennials which could do is you could actually if you wanted to the problem with sand and topsoil like the playground type of sand it makes concrete yeah, if you are going to be adding topsoil to it, I would add like some peat in there. I would also I, maybe, maybe even add some a lot of perlite in there as I'd well almost, too. I still take the sand out. I would take it and put good topsoil. It's only in. five inches. I'd yep. probably at least take half of that yep. out. You can leave the sand underneath, but mm -hmm. if you left it at the top, you're just going to make concrete. And then how do you pick weeds? And the plants yeah, won't grow that no. great. So that's the best. Do it do. right the first time, then you won't have troubles in the future. Okay, we got a minute left, Jill. You got to watch that. I I'm make sure I it. get out in time here. Okay. Okay. Fire glow and hope humanity roses had a rough year. Uh, treated it with endol several times. Had aphids and thrips and caterpillars. Rose borer various times. Leaves full of holes. Had the wind snap off the new growth. How far should I cut back? You cut it back in the spring. Uh, basically, what you want to do is cut it back in the spring, and uh, because and about at least a third to a half, okay, and then fertilize with a good uh, fertilizer uh, that that you can use once for just for straight roses, or you can use thirty ten ten for lots of growth and lots. And then also for that, you can get ladybugs if you want having troubles with those guys. You can even get the praying 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 mantis mm -hmm. insects. They eat lots of bugs. 
or you need to keep on top of the spraying, especially for aphids. You got to get the first generations. As soon as the leaves come out, you got to start spraying. Now you can't use both. You can't use praying mantis and spraying because you you just can't do both. It doesn't work. One or the other. Okay. All right, we got one minute left. Okay, we got one minute left, Jill. So I'm gonna watch that. I get in trouble if I do get out late. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, uh, is it good? Uh, okay, we did that one here. Do I hard prune my potent till and spirea shrubs? I want to go down to two thirds. Yeah, you can do that, but it's a little bit early yet. Do the end of October or do it. First thing in the spring, as soon as the snow disappears. I like doing that one first thing in the spring. Same with my perennials. Yep. I like to do that hard pruning first thing in the spring and so I, they can I catch only, the snow. I only do the hard prune in the potentillas spareas about every third year. Okay? That's the big one. So, well, Jill, that basically takes care of a lot of the texts and, and messages. So here we got about only 10 seconds left. So, you know what? Go visit that Honeywood Nurseries today if you got if you live in the Saskatoon area or you want to travel a little bit farther. They're on today from 1, one till 4. Is that right, Jill? 1 till 4 o'clock. Bring so, $5 cash. Yeah, it's it's a great way to just take a drive into the country and see the fall colors and uh, and support a local little heritage nursery out there. Beautiful scenery out in that area, and uh, so check that out and have a great gardening week. It's a beautiful weather so for doing a lot of different things in the garden. You're listening to Jill and Rick Van Davendijk on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.